Welcome to the Hypnotic Radio Hour. Spend an hour with us exploring the mysteries of the subconscious mind. Here are your hosts, Cindy Lasher and Jody Kimmel. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another Hypnotic Radio Hour. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another Hypnotic Radio <laughs> Hour. And I am one of your hosts, Cindy Lasher. And I am the other one, Jody Kimmel. Jody, did you have any fears when you were a kid? Man, you know what? I had uh, I had a couple of them. Uh, yeah. My uh, my most uh, uh, scariest fear. <laughs> Imagine most that it was um, fear. a fear of heights. You know that fear of heights uh, followed me into my adult life, and uh, it was actually uh, when I was taking my training. Uh, in Santa Fe that I was actually able to release that fear uh, completely for the first time in my life. Well, we're going to hear that story and we're going to hear a lot of other stories because today's show is about fears and phobias and anxieties. Oh my. Yeah. And the fact is that as a human being, you are born with two fears. That's right. Just two. Just two. The fear of falling. Which is really more like the fear of being dropped. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. And the second one is? Loud noises. Boom. Crash. Yeah. And we're born with those fears. Babies will have a startle reflex for loud noises. And if you, you know, d- go to drop, there's actually a little test that they do to, to test the neurological system of a baby. And if you go to drop them a little bit, they will throw their arms out in a characteristic pattern. And they Don't do to, that. Yeah, basically that's baby <laughs> language for knock it off. <laughs> because obviously they can't protect themselves. And, you know, we outgrow those fears, don't we? We sure do. But we then go we, skydiving. Yeah. But then we learn... All kinds of other ones. Yeah. We learn all kinds of other ones. And the, the, the key word in that sentence is learn. Learn. They are all learned fears. See, we have this wonderful gift from our creator or mother nature or whatever your belief system is. We have this wonderful gift to be able to learn and to unlearn and to relearn and to learn better and to learn over and over again and again. And it's it's infinite our ability to learn and to change that learning modify that learning based on new information that comes to us that's right and you know uh so a lot of people who have fears and phobias uh you know they they kind of get that confused you know uh and there is a difference between a fear and a phobia really that's right. That's right. I'm afraid you know, that you're going to say there. That I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> fear or phobia? Have no fear. Uh, <laughs> we we will uh, will uh, differentiate between the two. You know, a fear is something uh, that uh, has a has a basis. You know, if uh, you have a fear of dogs because you were bitten by a dog, uh, that's uh, that's a fear. But if you have a phobia, a phobia is an unreasonable fear that has uh, no uh, basis in, in anything that's ever happened to you. You know, one day uh, you get into an elevator and all of a sudden uh, 
you're panicking and you have to get out of that elevator, even though you've been in elevators uh, many, many times in your life. And then all of a sudden one day you just uh, can't stand to be in there and you have to get out of it. That is a phobia. Or one day you're driving your car and all of a sudden you're on the same stretch of road that you've driven many, many times. And all of a sudden you're panicky and you don't know why Mm -hmm. and nothing has happened. And that is a phobia. Yeah. So what is the difference? How does a, uh, how does a phobia take uh, root in somebody's life? Jody, <laughs> I will tell you. Um, oftentimes it has to do with internal situations that uh, are causing the body and the mind, because they are one and the same. Your mind and your body are inseparable. It causes your mind and your body to go into a panic and generally, that is a blood sugar situation. Wow. And so how does that happen? You know, uh, it's, it's due to the association-making mechanism of the mind. Is that right? Yes, because when the, when the body goes into that panic, the mind looks external to itself, and it says, what in my environment is posing a threat to me? Because it always looks external. That's the default. And you can understand why from a survival standpoint. You know, if you're feeling panicky and you start to do an internal audit of, well, blood sugar and blood pressure and this, that, and the other, that takes time. It's only nanoseconds, but it's time. And if, in fact, there's a tiger rushing at you from the bushes, that could be the (laughs) nanosecond that means the difference between living and dying. Right. And so our ancestors were weeded out, genetically chosen to be the ones that reacted as though something was attacking them from the outside whether or not there was you you know feet don't fail me now <laughs> right that scooby dooby thing where uh they're <laughs> running in the air and <laughs> not getting anywhere <laughs> yep. we need those sound effects dan <laughs> yeah <laughs> where, where's that button where's that button on that yeah. big board over there <laughs> Yeah, and so genetically speaking, uh, you know, those those ancestors of ours whose systems did do that internal audit, if in fact any of them did, they got weeded out real quickly and they didn't live to pass on their genes. Likewise with thinking, mm-hmm. when when you're frightened and whether it's you're having a, a panic attack because of a, a fear of making a presentation or driving that car or a fear of heights, that elevator, it doesn't matter. Your ability to think just goes right out the window. And this becomes really evident for people who are doing things that also they're afraid, but they also require their mental skills. So if you're, if you're a student and you've got a fear of tests, testing anxiety, when that testing anxiety ramps up, your ability to remember things and to use logic goes out the window. Higher brain functioning closes down. Absolutely. And it's so frustrating. But you're actually functioning exactly the way you're supposed to. Right. The, the, uh, the blood rushes to your large muscle masses so you could fight or get away. And, and your thinking shuts down on purpose because Mother Nature is wise. And Mother Nature knows that the, the, the human in the past who stood there and tried to determine, let's see, that tiger coming at me, is that a Siberian tiger or is that a Bengal tiger? And let me let me remember my, my knowledge of, oh, 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 I'm lunch. I'm, 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 I'm done. You're done for. And again, that, that ancestor didn't live to pass on his or her genes. And so we have the, the, the best, the best, that genetics and and 
uh, ancestry can provide for us. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was not designed for this world. It was not designed for giving your seventh grade speech or <laughs> taking the, the MCAT. It was not designed for that. Or doing your presentation in front of uh, the the corporate board. No. Mm-mm. They're not going to eat you. <laughs> Although there are times when it feels like it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, and so we can help. Yeah. Hypnosis is tremendously helpful. Hypnosis is actually uh, the learning state of your brain artificially recreated um, by putting somebody, inducing somebody into hypnosis. And what hypnosis really is, is an artificially induced REM state, rapid eye movement state. Now, when you're a baby in the womb and an infant, you spend a tremendous amount of times in the REM state because that's your brain's programming state. That's your brain's learning state. And that's where we put you in hypnosis to relearn. And remember, we said that you can learn, relearn, change that learning, modify that learning infinitely whenever there is new information that needs to be taken into account. So that, in a nutshell, is the process. Absolutely. And even though we create that artificially, it's a naturally occurring state that uh, Mm -hmm. everyone goes into several times a day, every day. Uh, You know, we're going into the hypnoidal state or going through it as uh, we're falling asleep at night. And then again, as we're waking up in the morning. Now, uh, that's that's a very very, um, interesting uh, time. Think about what you're thinking about as you're falling asleep at night. Are you... um, are you stressing out about uh, the following day? Uh, man, I know tomorrow's going to be uh, a really difficult day. I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. Oh, I just don't want to do it because of this or because of that. Well, you know, as you're falling asleep at night and you're in that uh, hypnoidal state, you are actually accepting those suggestions without criticism. And deepening that anxiety response. And deepening that anxiety response, exactly. The last thing that you're thinking about consciously as you're falling asleep at night is actually what your mind processes through the entire evening and and night sleep. Uh, So you wake up in the morning and, you know, you're hitting that snooze button and then you're saying to yourself again, oh my God, I don't want to go to work today. I'm going to be so tired. And guess what happens? You're tired throughout the day. You're giving yourself those suggestions in that hypnoidal state and you're acting acting out on those suggestions. Or you lay there and think about the things that are going to go wrong. Yeah. And then that's what you notice is the things that go wrong. And again, that feeds back into any type of fears and anxieties that you have. That's right. And so uh, as you are imagining what it is that's going to happen, see, your, your mind doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. And so what you are, are putting emotion into, those images that you see as you're falling asleep at night or as you're waking up in the morning, is what's real to your subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind is your doer mind. So what it does is it makes those images that have that strong emotion attached to them real. Mm-hmm. And that's what you experience throughout the day. Absolutely. So, whether we're talking about fear of presentations, fear of spiders, fear of loud noises. Fear of heights. Fear of heights. Fear of driving. I've seen so much fear of driving. Yeah. So much. And, you know, a, a lot of times, the, you know, those uh, those fears that people experience 
have nothing to do with really what caused that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, well, now this this is the difference then between a fear and a phobia, mm-hmm. right? Because a fear, now if you slid on the ice and had an accident, and from that point on, you're nervous about driving, overly cautious, in a heightened state, then that fear is a fear. That's right. And it's founded, you know, it's perfectly rational to fear driving in the winter on ice when you've had an accident or a near accident. And we can help you to get rid of that as well as phobias. The phobia is where, as again, you're you're driving along a comfortable, familiar stretch of road and all of a sudden you start to kind of freak out. <laughs> and again, your mind looks around and says, well... There must be a threat in this environment. Oh, I'm driving. I must be afraid of driving. And the thought will probably cross your mind, well, why am I afraid of driving now? Because I never have been before. And I know that thought crosses your mind because the clients that I've had that have been in exactly that situation always tell me that that's the thought that crossed their mind. (laughs) Why am I afraid of this? Well, you're actually having a panicky moment. You're, You're experiencing fight or flight. But you're afraid your fear has been connected to driving because that's what was going on. In fact, um, it's a blood sugar drop that is most likely at the root of that. Wow. And I have lots and lots of stories. (laughs) Lots and lots. So say more about that blood sugar level drop. Well, let me tell you, this happens all the time, and I think it's happening increasingly as people's diets are so poor. Mm. Okay, so this is a a whole... Stay with me, people. All right, so basically, your brain runs on blood sugar. That is the fuel for your brain. It runs on blood sugar. I was just explaining this to a nurse the other day, and he says to me, or ketones. I was like, yes, or ketones, <laughs> if you're in ketosis. So, folks, if you're on the uh, the beginning phase of Atkins, your brain's running on ketones. If not, <laughs> your brain's running on, on blood sugar, <laughs> trust me. Um, and blood sugar comes from what? Blood sugar comes from when we eat. So mm. if we eat carbohydrates and sugars and the things that are in our foods, and those convert to blood sugar. And blood sugar goes one of two places. It, it either goes into the, into the muscles and the liver to be stored as glycogen or, or gets shuttled into fat if those places, if those storage places are already full. Then when you go to sleep and you're sleeping the right length, the right quality of sleep, then at a certain point your liver o- opens up its glycogen stores and that is used to fuel your brain. And your brain cells get all fueled up Nice and solidly packed with glucose mm-hmm. so that the following next day you can feel focused, sharp, alert, energetic for that 16 hours that you're going to be awake. And if that doesn't happen, if your sleep is broken or it's too short um, or it's not the right quality, you're sleeping too light or even too deep, then that process doesn't happen properly and your brain doesn't get completely fueled. And you've all had this. Everybody's had the occasional poor night's sleep. And with the occasional poor night's sleep, then you you wake up and you feel kind of groggy and you're hungry and you're craving things that convert to blood sugar. And whether you slept well or not, if your diet is poor and you're eating things that spike your blood sugar, 
because if you sleep poorly, then you will crave those things that spike. That your makes blood it a, that makes it a four or six uh, toaster strudel morning. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> De- definitely want the toaster strudels. Absolutely, yeah. And that's what you reach for exactly when you've had that kind of thing, um, that kind of poor night's sleep. Is you're, you you tend to crave the the pastries and the sweet foods and if you're okay in the morning then by two or three o'clock in the afternoon it's the coffee and the mountain dew and the the donut or the snickers bar or whatever it is right Hmm. if you're a smoker it's the extra cigarettes and you notice that you smoke a lot more cigarettes in the afternoon than you did in the morning because there's blood sugar there there's sugar in those cigarettes right when you smoke it in uh, through your lungs, it goes directly into your blood system. You're getting a subconscious hit of that uh, sugar. Yeah, absolutely. And your body knows that, that, that it can get your blood sugar there, and that's the reason for those extra cigarettes. So basically, when you eat those sugary foods, those carbohydrate-laden foods, there's something called the glycemic index, and they make uh, your blood sugar spike up. And when it comes to blood sugar, however high it spikes is however low it's going to drop. And you know kids with the sugar high, right? Mm-hmm. While it might feel good on the on the on the spike side of that, <laughs> yeah. and you've got a rush of energy and you feel better for a short period of time, on the back end of that, on the dropping side of that, you feel terrible. And in fact, it sends your body into fight or flight because your brain runs on blood sugar. Mm. And your body knows that if you if your blood sugar drops too low that you may faint, you may pass out. Mm. Your brain runs on blood sugar and you need your brain to be functioning so that you are safe. And that's kind of the feeling that people have in the elevator. That is that's it exactly is that it, it, that feeling of a low of blood sugar dropping or hypoglycemia. Mhm. Is, can cause sweaty palms, shaky hands, nauseous stomach, faster bleed, breathing, um, flush in the in the in the face and the chest, uh, palpitations of the heart, and what does that? De- what, what am I describing? Uh, that uh, that panic and that fear of That's the elevator panic attack, absolutely. And so that is at the point where the brain, the mind, looks around in the environment and says, "Holy cow, I'm having a panic attack." Where is the threat that I'm responding to? It must oh, be this it's, elevator. It's this elevator, or it's this group of people I'm presenting to, or it's this airplane. And mm. if you really think about the airplane <laughs> situation, you know, the people who tend to have fear of flying tend to be the people who don't fly all as, as often. Right. The, the, the road warriors, the flying warriors, they don't have the fear of flying as much because they've established a routine for themselves. Right. But people who fly occasionally and don't have a routine, they're a little keyed up anyhow. Right. So your flight's at 6.30 or 7. So you're up at 2.30 or 3. Mm-hmm. You don't eat. You, you're, 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 you're packing your stuff. You're making those last-minute checks. You're getting in the taxi. You're getting your ride to the airport. You, you maybe have some coffee, which messes with your blood sugar, by the way. Mm-hmm. And you get to the airport, and you don't want to eat there because, doggone it, you know, the airport food is so darn expensive, and it's lousy anyhow. And, and what if the food on my stomach makes me nauseous when we take off? So you go ahead and you skip eating, and you get on the plane, and it's warm, and, you know, it's, it's a foreign environment, so you're still a little bit keyed up. And, you know, you've been rushing, and oh my goodness, and that is the point where your blood sugar drops. Not because you ate something sweet, but because you haven't eaten at all. Right. And that caffeine doesn't help. That makes it plummet <laughs> even more. And, and just at that point is probably right around takeoff. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
and you go, oh my gosh, I'm scared, I and I can't get out of this plane, I'm trapped. <laughs> and voila, a fear of flying, which is actually a phobia, mm-hmm. is born. Because were you in a flight where something bad happened? Probably not. Right. The scenario that I just described is the most common one that I run into. Exactly. I have met people who have genuine fear of flying because mm-hmm. they had a really, really rough flight that they were on and it sucked badly. And right. <laughs> well, you know, and, and you know, that that fear of flying due to a, a rough flight with turbulence, that's uh, perfectly uh, natural to oh, have yeah. a fear of flight uh, flying if, if you haven't experienced that and all of a sudden uh, you're in a flight, uh, you know, experiencing turbulence. You know, I've even had uh, uh, clients who've come in who were, uh, who were um, flight attendants. And they had been flying for thousands of hours, and all of a sudden they, too, are experiencing for the first time in their life this terrible fear. Yes. You know, why am I feeling this? I've flown for hours and hours. I've been a, I've been a uh, flight attendant for years. Well, let's uh, look back at what you did uh, prior to that, uh, that flight. Oh, well, I had a few days off, you know, so we uh, stayed in, in Vegas. And uh, we had a really good time in Vegas. Uh, uh-huh. We went gambling. We went dancing. We didn't um, sleep. We didn't sleep. We had a few too many drinks. There were buffets. There was buffets. We uh, we woke up late. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed to rush to get to where we needed to be. Are you saying they got out of their routine? <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, had had uh, some orange juice. Oh, uh, boy. With a little bit of vodka in it left over from the night before. And oh, that was it. Not. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're wondering why they're feeling the way that they're feeling uh and it's due to the fact that their blood sugar level dropped and all of a sudden they're experiencing exactly what you just described yeah absolutely and i like i say i have story after story after story and the good news is this is all reversible absolutely learned behaviors can be unlearned and relearned through the power of hypnosis through the power of the subconscious mind beauty of having a mammalian brain that's exactly right. Yeah, because, you know, the reason they run uh, rats through mazes and not chameleons <laughs> is because lizards don't learn so well. <laughs> Seriously, though, it's your brainstem, which we share with lower level creatures, lizards and fish. It's your brainstem that sends the trigger message to create the, the fight or flight response. But it's your mammal brain. Mm -hmm. It's that part of your brain that has the limbic system that codes up and says, okay, now I'm going to be afraid of this. Now I'm not going to be afraid of this anymore. I had some good experiences. This is now a good thing. And we can, through that process, learn and relearn infinitely that's right and you know the power of hypnosis is so so very wonderful and the fact that that it doesn't take a a deep level of hypnosis it certainly didn't take a deep level of hypnosis for people to get into that trance that says i can't do this because i'm afraid Mm -mm. Uh, a light level of trance is all that's necessary in order to to retrain the brain into a, a more beneficial and appropriate solutions that everyone's looking for out there. And hypnosis is a way to make that happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have so many good stories and so many wonderful past clients who have cleared themselves of things that were holding them back. And I've worked with people who, you know, now they can fly and take vacations with their families and see loved ones that are in other parts of the world that they've been not seeing for years and years. 
they really can change their lives in wonderful ways through the power of the mind. Absolutely, because the mind that created the fear knows exactly how to unravel that fear and replace it with a feeling of comfort, feeling of confidence, feeling of calm, feeling of being in control. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. How far we got, Dan? What, what, who, what? 30 seconds. 30, 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm just not good with these, these radio, uh, nine, how many years we're, have we been doing this show? <laughs> we're great hypnotists, not so great at watching the clock. Well, you know, it's a good thing I'm not running the board. <laughs> the chairman <laughs> of the board is running the board today. At the bottom of the hour there? Okay. <laughs> You're allowed to talk, Dan. You've been on our show for how many years? <laughs> okay. We'll I'm just be. thinking of my next move. Otherwise, I'm going to have anxiety. So oh, it's okay. right now. You're listening to the Hypnotic Radio Hour. On the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. It can feel like a prison, living with anxiety, fear, phobias, and excessive worry. Maybe you think you've tried everything, but the experts at Change Works Hypnosis Center have a unique, proven system that will melt away your fears. If you feel nervous in social or certain situations, if you feel out of control or like you don't measure up, if you have phobias including flying, heights, public speaking, or fears in high-pressure or test-taking situations, the experts at ChangeWorks Hypnosis Center really can help. You'll learn how to control your mind's reactions and your emotions. Break out of prison and feel in control now and in the future. You'll be amazed at how quickly and how much you can change. Call for a free screening, 952-356-0010. Online at minnesotahypnosis.com. Change Works Hypnosis Center in Apple Valley. Changing lives for the better since 2007. Do you have a child in school that's not achieving his or her potential? Are you returning to school? Change Works Hypnosis Center can help. You learn faster, retain and comprehend more, improve your motivation to study, eliminate test-taking fears, and even be more organized and productive. Studies have proven the effectiveness of hypnosis for improving academic performance. Call for a free screening to see if hypnosis can help you. 952-356-0010. Online at minnesotahypnosis.com. Change Works Hypnosis Center in Apple Valley. There are many reasons to quit smoking, and you know them all. When you're ready, Change Works Hypnosis Center can help you sever your mental dependence on tobacco, address your triggers, and give you an arsenal of tips and techniques to help you break the bonds of smoking forever. You owe it to yourself to quit, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. Call for a free hypnosis screening. It really is that simple. 952-356-0010. Online at minnesotahypnosis.com. Change Works Hypnosis Center in Apple Valley. Welcome back to the Hypnotic Radio Hour on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. And I hope 
you're not afraid to keep listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> Fears, phobias, and anxieties, oh my. I'm Jody Kimmel. And I'm Cindy Lasher, and this is the Hypnotic Radio Hour on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, and we are talking about how we can help you to eliminate your fears, your phobias, your anxieties through the use of hypnosis. That's right, that's right. You know, uh, so besides uh, fears and phobias, uh, people come to us with anxieties, anxieties of all kinds. Yeah, yeah, sometimes they can't tell exactly what that anxiety is coming from. Right, so they say, well, I have this general anxiety or I have a specific anxiety. Yeah, and we have people referred by their doctors with anxiety disorders. Right. You know, uh, people who come uh, come to me to uh, to stop smoking. You know, uh, one of the things that they um, uh, they tell me is that you know smoking calms me down. You know, I'm I'm anxious. I'm I'm so right, anxious, right. and and uh, having a cigarette, uh, you know, uh, calms me down. But then I'm anxious again, and they wonder why that is. And <laughs> you know, the the process of of smoking, uh, you know, creates that anxiety. You know, the additives in the cigarettes. Um, uh, are, They're specifically are designed to create these physiological symptoms the of little, fear and, and anxiety the in the body. Time bombs, yeah, little time bombs. Little time bombs. You know, and and they say, well, you know, smoking relaxes me. And when, in all reality, there is not anything in a cigarette that's relaxing. It's all stimulants. It's all stimulants. What actually relaxes the individual is the deep diaphragmatic breaths that they take. When they're smoking, taking those first drags, <laughs> you know, you know those, and, and uh, <sighs> uh, for those uh, for those who who smoke, uh, you could probably relate to this. The more anxious you are, the more upset you are, the quicker you smoke that cigarette, mm-hmm. and that's because the deeper the breath that you're taking. That's right. The deeper the breath activates the vagus nerve, and that in turn creates that relaxation response. You know, we can't take five to ten deep diaphragmatic breaths without activating the relaxation response, and that relaxation response is connected directly to hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Those, that, that Smoking that cigarette also raises the level of carbon dioxide in your, in your blood, and th- those are two of the things that your brain stem, that reptilian brain, are, is looking at to determine whether or not you're calm or not calm, and that is the the ratio of oxygen and carbon dioxide in your blood. Oxygenated blood means you're ready to fight or flee. Mm. And the other thing is the whether or not that vagus nerve, which runs from your brainstem down past your carotid artery, down through your torso, with tendrils reaching out into various organs, and terminates down below your diaphragmatic muscles. And so it's designed for um, to be moved rhythmically with every breath, because we're supposed to breathe from our lower abdomen and move those diaphragmatic muscles with every breath. When we do that, the organism feels calm. It knows that it's safe. Yeah. You know, we're a, we're a, a, a nation of shallow breathers. We sure are. We sure are. Absolutely. <laughs> and that shallow breath, you know, uh, it contributes to that anxiety. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Can I tell a story? Oh, sure. Okay. So I had a client come in several years ago now. She was a lovely young woman in her mid-20s. She was very thin and wore impossibly tight pants (laughs) and she had she came in she was referred for her anxiety 
And she had a, an interesting situation where she said, you know, I haven't been able to pinpoint it to anything in particular. It, it's sort of free-floating anxiety. I never know when it's going to hit. And I'm watching her breathe, and she's breathing <laughs> all from her chest and her shoulders, which is not where you're designed to breathe from. But considering she had impossibly tight pants, <laughs> it was really her only option. Is at that the, the time. brand she was wearing? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> impossibly tight pants. <laughs> That's like the old, uh, the old James Jeans of of, uh, of our, our youth, huh? Yeah, right. Britannia has turned into impossibly, impossibly tight, tight jean jeans. company. That's right. <laughs> And so I described this whole process to her and breathing diaphragmatically. And, and as with many of my clients, had her lay down on the floor and learn where those muscles are. And she had this interesting situation where because she was breathing very shallowly and, and rather rapidly, because she wasn't using probably even half of her lung capacity, she was also swallowing air and then she would start to burp. Oh. And this was totally not in keeping with the image that she was projecting into the world. She was a very beautiful, poised, lovely young woman. And so that would make her feel even more self-conscious and therefore anxious. And then that would make her breathe even higher and shallower and faster and swallow more air and burp more. And then it created this lovely little cycle. Right? And so she had an anxiety about burping in public. Right. Well, yes, kind of. Um, but in fact, once we retrained her breathing, um, she stopped burping and the anxiety went away. It really yeah. was never, fortunately for her, it never got associated with anything in particular. It didn't get associated with, you know, public speaking or her job or driving or anything like that. It remained free floating. Mm -hmm. And so once she retrained her breath, so that she wasn't burping anymore. It just went away. I remember when she came in for her second or third session, she said, these muscles are sore. <laughs> these muscles down here. It's like, yeah, those are muscles. And she hadn't used hers in a very long time. Very cool. Very She'd have cool. to give up the impossibly tight pants, though, I'm afraid. <laughs> you got to have room for those muscles to move. Yeah. So she she switched to jeggings then, huh? <laughs> yeah, jeggings. <laughs> Something with a little give. <laughs> Well, and there's lessons in that for us. I, most of my anxiety clients need to learn to breathe properly. Right. Most of them. Once in a while, I'll find one who actually does breathe correctly, but I would say eight out of ten. Part of their problem is that they are unknowingly, unwittingly, unintentionally sending a message to their to their brainstem, which is the part of your brain that's in charge of firing off that signal that, hey, we should go into fight or flight, that uh, that the organism's in trouble in some in some way, shape, or form. And that brainstem doesn't judge. It doesn't corroborate. It doesn't double check. It doesn't run an audit. It looks at the, at the data coming in, mm -hmm. and it makes a decision to pull a trigger, and that's it. Yeah, you know, and it, it's it's ironic that uh, that cigarette smokers are are uh, a population that does breathe correctly. <laughs> sure. Although that that correct breathing is is also pulling in all of those additives, all those chemicals, all of that toxin and poison in their system. Uh, so that's one of the things that I also teach my clients uh, for smoking cessation is it, to to breathe correctly. To because uh, they're asking, well, what do I use? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, in place of the cigarette, right? Because well, there'd, there'd be the danger that if they stop smoking, that they would stop 
breathing correctly. Yes. Right. Right. And you know, now you don't need to anymore. Exactly. And you know, the, the, uh, the way that the subconscious mind, uh, only reasons deductively after the length of time that they've been doing that thing over and over again, that smoking thing, you know, the brain automatically, uh, decides that in order to do what I need to do, I need to smoke. So I need to smoke in order to be relaxed. Right. And so that you teach them that they don't have to smoke in order to be relaxed. And I'm just now having this this aha moment, having never been a smoker, but having tried it once. Uh-huh. Um, realizing that in order to draw that smoke down through the larynx, down through the windpipe without hurting yourself, that's why you have to breathe from the diaphragm. That's right. To get a, a smooth, long draw. That's Otherwise, exactly right. Otherwise, it's too shallow. It won't work. It's going to hurt. That's exactly right. And people hypnotize themselves in order to be able to do that when they first start to smoke. Fascinating. I never thought about that <laughs> until just this moment right now. You see, you can learn. I see that light bulb. It's <laughs> shining bright above your head. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. So, you know, that's that's one of the things. You know, what do I do? Uh, what can I possibly replace this thing with? And it's very simple. The breath. Yeah. A wonderful, deep, calming, relaxing breath. Designed to calm you. Exactly right. Ah. And And that's the way that we train the mind, the doer mind, to do something different and still get the benefits that it was looking for. People, when they, when they smoke, they're, they're not smoking to poison them, themselves. They're smoking to get the effects that the deep breath is giving them in the first place. But, you know, you can do that breathing wrong, too. Mm-hmm. You say, take a deep breath, and I've had lots of clients who've said, you know, I was told to take some deep breaths, and I did, and it made it worse. Say more about that. Well, if you just take a deep breath, but you're not told how to do it, because it's really not about the depth of the breath. Mm -hmm. It's about the slowness of the breath. It's about the length of the exhale so that you hold some carbon dioxide in your system while minimizing the intake of oxygen. So if you're told, take a deep breath, and you go, okay, well, that means this. (gasps) You're actually oxygenating your blood further, which is just telling your brainstem, I'm in even more trouble I'm, I'm facing an even bigger threat. I'm even more panicked. Mm-hmm. And indeed, that little uh, feedback system tells you it w- will ramp that panic up. And so I teach people to breathe a particular way. Again, it's, it's from the diaphragm, breathing with those lower belly muscles so that your lower abdomen pushes out when you breathe. Mm-hmm. And breathing into the count of three, breathing out to the count of five, and then leaving a little pause at the bottom of the breath for just a half a second where you are neither breathing out nor breathing in. Mm -hmm. Repeat that breath pattern three to five times to calm yourself. So repeat that again, what they do? Breathe with the lower abdomen so that you're moving that, that lower belly and therefore moving those diaphragmatic muscles and therefore moving the vagus nerve. Breathe in to the count of three. Breathe out to the count of five, and then at the bottom of the breath, 
Take a short pause, a half a second, where you're neither breathing out nor breathing in, and then repeat that pattern three to five times. And that's exactly the proper way to do that in order to get what the body needs. Absolutely. That's going to reduce your carbon dioxide, lift the, the ratio of, of, I mean, sorry, reduce your oxygen. I'm, I'm paying attention to Dan. He's giving me all these <laughs> lovely finger signals that I don't understand anyhow. I'm just going to talk until you caught me off, Dan. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Then, you know, um, what what was I saying? <laughs> uh, you're going to talk till I cut you off, but I'm not going to do that. You're not going to do that. Oh. I'm causing you anxiety. High anxiety. One of my favorite movies. 20 seconds. All right, 20 seconds. That, that I can understand. So, yes, it, it lowers the oxygen, raises the carbon dioxide in your blood, moves the vagus nerve. And right. those the, that's what your, your brainstem is looking for in order to say, ah, yes. Breathe in deeply for three. Breathe out for five at the bottom of that five. Hold for two seconds and repeat. Just a half a second. Just a half a second. Yeah. And if you can increase that to a second over time as your muscles grow You're stronger, listening to the Hypnotic cool Radio beans. Hour on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Do you have a child in school that's not achieving his or her potential? Are you returning to school? Change Works Hypnosis Center can help. You learn faster, retain and comprehend more, improve your motivation to study, eliminate test-taking fears, and even be more organized and productive. Studies have proven the effectiveness of hypnosis for improving academic performance. Call for a free screening to see if hypnosis can help you. 952-356-0010. Online at minnesotahypnosis.com. Change Works Hypnosis Center in Apple Valley. It's no secret. To be successful in today's market, you must present yourself well and often. Yet a surprising number of professionals rank their fear of public speaking worse than death. Change Works Hypnosis Center can radically diminish or even eliminate the fear of public speaking with powerful techniques. Ask yourself, is fear of public speaking limiting your life? What is the true cost of your fear in terms of your career, lost opportunities, and self-image? Stop allowing fear to sabotage your career when so much can be done to clear your pathway to success. The experts at ChangeWorks Hypnosis Center can help you overcome your fear and even enjoy public speaking. Call today for a free screening, 952-356-0010. Online at minnesotahypnosis.com. That's minnesotahypnosis.com. ChangeWorks Hypnosis Center in Apple Valley. Changing lives for the better since 2007. Welcome back to the Hypnotic Radio Hour on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Welcome back. I'm Cindy Lasher. I'm Jody Kimmel. And this is the Hypnotic Radio Hour, and we're talking about anxiety, fears, phobias, and how you can overcome them. Let them go, release them, relearn, because that's what our brains are designed to do. They do it well. And open up your life, because anxiety, fears, phobias, they really start to form a prison. Your life starts to get smaller and smaller. That's right. You know, and regardless where you're listening to uh, to us at, uh, you could find somebody that is qualified to help you through those fears and phobias using hypnosis. Uh, it's a wonderful way, a very quick, very, uh, a very uh, fast way to remove those fears and phobias. You know, uh, we, were, we mentioned at the beginning of uh, the show that when I was uh, when I was taking my training, 
I had a fear of heights that had uh, that had generalized over my entire life. It got to the point where uh, you know I couldn't look out a second story window without feeling that feeling in my stomach that just uh, made me queasy. You know, I can remember uh, in my former life as a, a musician, we'd be all over the, uh, different places and we'd be in buildings. And the higher up we'd get in those buildings, you know, the more uh, terrified I would become to the mm-hmm. point where. Uh, my bandmates would throw a coat over my head while I was the, <laughs> I was cowering in a in a uh, you know a, a crumpled mess on the floor of the elevator, <laughs> you know, getting down to the floor, uh, you know, to get out on the street level before I I, I exploded. Kissing the ground. Yeah, I, you know, I, such uh, you know as I'm I'm thinking about it now, it's completely. Uh, humorous to me you it know i'm not funny now it seems funny now i'm not <laughs> experiencing funny, any of that anxiety that i was feeling and you know uh during my training uh i was able to release that so very quickly i guess i was ready for that release uh, but uh you know after we after we had gone through the process of of releasing that uh you know and and it was you know get in touch with that feeling you know and uh, on a on a scale of 1 to 10 that subjective unit of discomfort yep. even speaking about what i'm speaking about now uh i could feel that feeling in my body yeah. you know a, a 9 or a 10 i mean it was right up without there. even being off the ground floor without even without even being off the ground and you know uh it, that's due to the fact that the subconscious mind you know it doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality when i was imagining being in a in a, uh, a high location it, it was real to me and so we did the process of, of releasing uh that fear and you know, uh, I can remember him saying, well, search for that fear. Try to find it. Feel it. You know, where is it now? Uh, we did a couple of passes of the process, and, and it went from, from a 10 to a 7, down to a 4, down to a 0. Absolutely no fear. No feeling of it whatsoever in my body. Right. Well, what is it that you could do uh, that would be the most incredible thing that you would never think about doing before? I don't know. Um uh, big balloons, you know, in the sky, you know, from uh, from the uh, uh, beautiful hot, air, uh, hot yeah. air balloon, you know, in the area where I, you know, so I was thinking to myself, well, man, you know, how about jump out of an airplane? <laughs> a perfectly good one. A perfectly good airplane. And it's interesting how uh, everybody around you is real supportive and willing to mm-hmm. do that with you. Oh, yeah, I'll do you. that with you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Until the morning comes. <laughs> and it's just you. Yeah. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. All by your lonesome. All by my, well, not necessarily uh, by yeah. my, it was in tandem, but yet uh, the feeling of waiting to do it was far more uh, uh, scary than actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was exhilarating. It was probably the most exhilarating feeling that I've had in my life. And from that point on, I actually look for opportunities to test that. Yeah, we've gone, we've we've flown the trapeze. Oh yeah, which is you great know. fun. Oh yeah, yeah, climbing that up that first little step off is a doozy. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's um, so fun. If anybody would like uh, to see uh, images of that, uh, contact us, and, and uh, I'll send you pictures of that. Absolutely. You uh, did great, too. The amazing guy on the flying trapeze. The, the, the flying <laughs> Kimmel brothers. That's exactly right. <laughs> Dr. McKimmelcuddy on the trapeze. Absolutely. You know, uh, the extreme roller coasters that are in the United States, I've uh, I've done uh, I've done four out of the ten so far, and it's on my bucket list to do the other uh, the other six. Fantastic! And uh, you and will be able to experience that too uh, once you discover how your mind can help you to release those fears. Absolutely, and you know, I I actually work with people all over the country over Skype and on the phone. And we do beautiful work. And oh, absolutely. I have, I have helped hundreds of people. And I know you, as you're listening, you'd probably like to have more information on what hypnotic processes we use. But the truth of the matter is, is that um, everybody's unique. Everybody's different. And how we approach this work is called diversified client-centered hypnosis. And so we, we work differently with every client. But I can tell you this, that the brain really does two things well. One is make associations between things that really don't have anything to do with each other. You know, I say chair, and you know what that means because of that ability of the brain to create associations. It gives us language. But it also uh, creates that situation where your brain associates a feeling with a certain situation, whether that's driving or flying or heights or public speaking or whatever the case may be. And then it generalizes that. Uh, and and starts to bring that feeling, uh, that association into similar situations. And perhaps you've experienced that if, you, if you're listening and you've had an anxiety. I had one lady who she came in with a fear of closed spaces that had moved from being tiny little like broom closet spaces to the point where she couldn't drive her car th- underneath a, a tree-lined street where the tree branches touched a ha- of overhead. That was wow. too enclosed for her. So that's that generalization process. Sure. And what we do is we work th- hypnotically with, with hypnosis, with techniques in hypnosis to tell the, the mind, okay, this no longer needs to be associated with that. And in fact, you can now create a new association with driving and feeling calm. Sure. You know, the, the subconscious mind has one job and one job only, and that's to ensure your survival and keep you safe. So everything that it's doing, it's doing for a positive intention for you because it believes it's for your best interest in order to ensure your survival and keep you safe. It doesn't care what it does. Because it's non-judgmental. Judgment comes from your conscious mind. Your subconscious mind simply does what it's told to do. And so somewhere down the line, you have told your subconscious mind to fear doing what it is that you're doing in order to ensure your survival. That's right. Absolutely. And so we just show it that that's not the right path. That's not the best path. We retrain your brain in hypnosis you know uh when you took on that fear or when you took when your subconscious mind took on that uh process of ensuring your survival and keeping you safe see it's not it's not the fear that ensures your survival but why it did that and it did what it's done for a positive intention and so it was doing the right thing. Once we can communicate with the subconscious mind via hypnosis and communicate with that part and let that part know, hey, what you have done for this period of time is perfect. You you did what you were meant to do, which was to ensure my survival and keep me safe. Thank you for that. And yet now 
what you have been doing is no longer necessary. In fact, what it's doing is it's creating a hardship in my life, which goes against that uh, keeping me safe and ensuring my survival. Here is something else that you can do that's more beneficial and appropriate and positive. And that part says, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. And that's how change is created through hypnosis. Absolutely. And if you want more information on that, you can find information at our website at www.minnesotahypnosis.com. Also, we run the Midwest Hypnotherapy Academy. At www.midwesthypnotherapyacademy.com. Boy, I wish I'd thought three times before I got that big <laughs> giant URL. <sighs> so, speaking of the Midwest Hypnotherapy Academy. Were we? I don't know. Were we? <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, we'll be doing a show in the future where we bring some of our, our students on to the radio show and talk to them about their experiences and learning to be hypnotists to help people with this themselves. And even our students are coming in with these wonderful stories about people that they're helping and how they're changing people's lives for the better. And they're making the best ambassadors for hypnosis that you could ask for. That's exactly right. You know, so for you folks out there listening, you know, if you are are uh, struggling with a, a fear or a phobia, if you're struggling with something that is is keeping you from living a, a, the most fulfilling life that you that you could live, think about checking into how your mind can be retrained, relearned to to do something more beneficial and appropriate for you in place of that fear or that phobia. You know, those anxieties do not need to control your life. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We can help you to break out of that prison of anxieties, fears, and phobias and begin to do those things that gives you a rich, fulfilling life and reach your potential. I've had so many people do public speaking work with me because they said, if I don't do this, I won't be able to reach my potential in my career. I'm up for a promotion. Holy cow. And we've had people go on and reach those those uh, those promotions. I even had one gentleman who had fear of public speaking that was so egregious that he couldn't be on a phone conference when he was the actually the only one in the room. Mm. But his, you know, his his mind was projecting and imagining those other people who were on the phone. And as soon as they called his name, then he froze up with fear. Mm. And he says, "I'm going to have to quit my job." And I said, "My goodness, what job are you going to find where you don't have even this degree of communication required of you? We have to get you beyond this." That's right. And we did. And and he is successfully still doing that job today. He's a he's a financial broker or something like that. I Wonderful. can't remember the title. You know, there's no reason to let uh, let uh, situations in your life that keep you stuck from determining what it is that you will or won't be in your life. You know, we have the ability to move beyond those fears, those phobias in uh, beneficially positive, appropriate ways. And it can happen with the power of your mind. You know, we were created to be healthy, happy, and whole. And by using that power of the subconscious mind to un- to to reach your unlimited potential is why we do what we do. And that's the reason behind the mind, the way that it's made. You know, uh, remember the number one goal of the subconscious mind, the number one rule of the mind is that we move in the direction of our most dominant thought, 
the number one rule of the mind is we move in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. So make sure that yours are absolutely positive in every way. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Blessings on you and your loved ones. And tune in with us next week and we'll be talking about our students. That's right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Hypnotic Radio Hour. Join us every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network.